Hey, what's good, everybody? Well, we're fresh off uh, the last dance airing tonight on ESPN episodes one and two, and it was everything that we anticipated, everything that we could hope for. And man, I don't even know where to start. Uh, I'm probably gonna be fumbling and stumbling all through this recap. But it was, um, you know, if you grew up in the '90s as a kid these things mean a whole lot to you um because it's it's different like now i'm experiencing the world as an adult and all the things that i love you know you have a good kind of hold on it when you're a kid everything's romanticized and it it seems 10 times bigger so to kind of get uh everything broken down the way it is in a documentary you you learn a whole lot because you know i was only a teenager uh maybe 10 11 at this around the time of the second three-peat um so getting these intricate details has been to say the least pretty um interesting and and very informative and, and it's just been uh more than anything entertaining that's and, and of course that's the goal because this is entertainment um but you you know it's it's it was so awesome and it lived up to the hype and rarely can we say that about things that are this much anticipated because just imagine we've we've asked them to to force this documentary out and we're sitting at home we don't have anything to do imagine if it had been whack and and the disappointment (laughs) that we all would have faced the baby face and teddy riley event is supposed to be rescheduled for uh tomorrow on monday but imagine you know how it was when when we were sitting there watching the the initial babyface versus teddy riley on instagram live and we were so disappointed because we were looking forward to it for so long but this is one event that did not disappoint um the work that went into it uh the masterful job of painting the picture and telling the story was just awesome i liked how the music even matched the time period that was being talked about it was just it was amazing uh on on every level from that standpoint um being around the world opens the the uh documentary by puff daddy and mason just hearing that beat drop with may swag you know and then cutting the jordan walking into practice it was just it was just awesome you know even the way it started it, it locked you in um only had one to two commercial commercials per break you know that the breaks were uh not very often um and when you did have a commercial break it was only maybe one or two at a time it was right back into the documentary so that was that was amazing um you know able to keep the continuity of the story going and and able not not have to run and take any bathroom breaks or go try to waste time while commercials on. it was just it had you locked in for two straight hours um that was amazing i i want to start with um the last dance it it was it was all over the place in terms of they're they're going through a lot of different storylines but if you're familiar with the bulls and and you're familiar with michael jordan at all then a lot of this stuff you understand how it all kind of fits uh as pieces to the puzzle and so i want to start though with um jordan's college years because we haven't heard a whole lot about michael jordan in college the most uh that we talk about it is him hitting the game winning shot and we've seen that a million times but to go behind the scenes and see how how Jordan was in college and the 
thing that stood out the most to me during that segment was Roy Williams story and James Worthy story. James Worthy talks about how, you know, <laughs> when Michael Jordan shows up as a freshman, you know, he's he's working and and they'll have practice and practice will be over. James will be in an entire sweat, drenching with sweat, walking off the court and Michael be nudging him. Now, come back, come back on. Let's play one on one. And James Worthy said he was better than Michael Jordan for about two weeks. <laughs> so uh, it, it showed how those uh, those early beginnings at UNC set the stage for the player that he would become ultimately. And Roy Williams, you know, he he talked about Jordan in a way that was real as an assistant coach to Dean Smith um, to be there for the whole thing. And he talked about um Probably the the great quote he gave was how Michael Jordan was the only player he ever knew who could turn it on and off, and he never freaking turned it off. That was his quote, and it, you would have to see him saying it and see how he sounded uh, when he when he gave that that little excerpt or interview. But it showed that that Michael Jordan knew um, the value of hard work. But when he was at UNC and, and talking to Roy Williams. Roy Williams told him it's not just about hard work and working as hard as everyone else. It's about if you want to be the greatest to ever play, then you have to go the extra mile. You have to outwork everybody else on the team and on the court. And that's where, again, you see those early seeds sown for what will become the breakfast club with the Bulls, you know, meeting and practicing before practice actually began, which is what Jordan and Pip and Harper did. And so it was great to see uh, Jordan in the college years, um, something besides the game, the game winning shot. You saw um, how, you know, how good he was, just athletically superior he was even in college to all of the, of the other players. He was just doing things on the court that, um, nobody else was doing and you know it it, it it culminated probably in terms of that championship his freshman year but he did play two more years and that built on top of he was able to build that 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 Michael Jordan brand of basketball uh, and that would ultimately lead uh, to him being the best college player uh, thought of one of the two best college players in the world um and of course, the Bulls would draft him. Uh, Jordan tells some interesting stories uh, as it relates to him getting to the Bulls, being drafted, and that again, they had some great video and behind-the-scenes stuff that I don't think has ever seen the light of day, uh, showing how the city embraced Jordan, showing him getting off the plane, um, his first days of practice, uh, Jordan really giving detailed speeches on on how when he showed up and and he his whole mindset was I have to I have to come at who was ever the leader of the team who was ever the best player on the team because my voice if I want my voice heard and he wasn't talking about his his voice in terms of audibly he was talking about letting his game do the talking and because he said because he was a rookie he didn't have a voice but he wanted his game to do the talking and and after a while uh with his hard work and with how hard he went in practice and um, ultimately, um, the way he played the game, the coaches and, and the team 
came to the conclusion that yeah, this after only a couple of weeks, yeah, this dude is the he's the best player on our team, and and Jordan took off from there, um, and and you know the rest is is history as I say about his rookie year, he became um, an instant show in the NBA. They were talking about they did a great scene showing how uh, in Chicago showing how the ticket prices were uh, going up because everybody wanted to see Michael Jordan play. And Michael also um, gave a great story about what life was like <laughs> that first year. Because that first year was, was the Bulls weren't very good. Michael Jordan's first two years, we know uh, they were terrible, though, especially those first two years. Um, but that first year in particular, the interviewer brought up the fact that they called uh, them the Chicago Bulls and like the traveling cocaine circus or something, something bananas. I can't remember exactly what he termed it or coined it, but Jordan just started laughing. As soon as the interviewer said that, Jordan just bust out laughing like he immediately knew what would <laughs> the interviewer was referring to and referencing. And he laughed at it for about two minutes and finally uh, he, he got a little bit more serious in his tone and he said something interesting um, because he talked about how he when he showed up at the room one one uh, one evening at the hotel looking for his teammates or whatever. He knocked on the door and everybody he, he could hear somebody saying, shh, shh, who is it? And he says, it's MJ. And they say, oh, it's just a rookie. He can, you can let him in. He walks in. He sees the lines. He sees the weed smokers. He sees the women. And he immediately does the 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 walkout. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I see what's going on in here, but I'm all about the game at this point. He was like, I, I didn't do drugs. I didn't drink at that particular time. So I was all about the game. And I know if, if you know, if we get busted, it's just like I'm in here participating too. And I'm going down as well. So he had that that mindset of the game is too important uh to me and what i want to accomplish and i and, you know, i'm just trying to keep my my uh nose out of trouble and i i say that that was an interesting story because it spoke to um what often happens with great players and and they go into isolation and people will call them sometimes uh arrogant or selfish because they they are alone uh, a lot of times off the court they they don't you know ingratiate themselves with their teammates as most would like but that was a great glimpse into to how that initially started <laughs> his whole team <laughs> is in in the hotel room doing lines and this dude he's just a rookie like 20 years old uh you know just trying to become a better basketball player that's all that's all he knows that's all he wants to do and so it was, it was just interesting seeing that as well. And Jordan, from a very early age, understood the importance of the decisions that he would have to make. He was Michael Jordan. He couldn't just make regular decisions like and follow the crowd as if he wasn't Michael Jordan. Dude, you're Michael Jordan. And, and it's clear that he had an understanding of that, even though he wasn't the guy that we know today early on. He understood the importance of who he was and what he represented. And so just simple decisions like that, uh, it shows that it can go a long way in, in defining who we are uh, and what happens in our lives. Uh, so I thought that was just an, uh, an interesting part of the interview. It's funny, 
with with how they brought it up and 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 the <laughs> and calling them the cocaine circus and all that. But uh, you know, it was it was interesting to hear how Jordan kind of started with that loner kind of mentality. Um, so fast forward a little bit. Um, the bull he she starts playing for the Bulls and Jerry Krause, boy, he's he's gonna get raked over the coals in this documentary if episode one. <laughs> he's already like Jerry boy 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 Jerry Krause is getting it he's gonna get it and I don't know if this is gonna continue for the duration of of the last dance uh but yeah Jerry Krause and and what's crazy is he it seems to me you can tell his his ego and pride got him but he was actually pretty smart dude like he did a good job with that team and if you study the Bulls, you know, it was times Michael Jordan wanted to trade for certain players. And Jerry Krause was like, no, Jerry Krause made Jordan stay in his lane as a player. And Jerry Krause was like, I'm making all of the, the personnel decisions. And, um, you know, Jerry Krause did a great job recognizing um, who Jordan was, that he was the cornerstone of the franchise, uh, getting the trade on draft night to the rights for Scottie Pippen. Um, getting Horace Grant in the in the building, trading Charles Oakley for uh, Bill Cartwright because they needed a big, and we know Cartwright would go on to play a pivotal role in those first three championships. So Jerry Krause was really good. I think they said he was two time executive of the year at that point. I don't know if he ever won any more um, at at the '98 ring night. I don't know if he ever won uh, another one after that one in '98 because they won a championship again, but. I know he won at least two executive of the year uh, awards, but man, the first shot of Jerry Krause um, is him with with the stumbly kind of fumbly look uh, with the shirt, the, the polo shirt tucked into the khakis with the pants all the way over up his chest and him getting into a Cadillac like it was it <laughs> that documentary did him no justice um, at all, but it showed um ego and pride in any profession in any walk of life in any aspect of living can be um detrimental and it's just a shame that a team that awesome was was pushed out the door like the greatest team arguably that we've ever seen pushed out of the door it makes it made no sense all because of of one person's ego and Jerry just had a, a terrible relationship with 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 Michael starting off with um, Scotty, uh, which is we'll get into more so in episode two with Phil. He told Phil the, the takeaway uh, from episode one was Jerry Krause telling Phil at the beginning of the 98 season, you can go 82 and 0 and we still not bringing you back um, as head coach. And, you know, you have a good thing going. It doesn't matter what sport you're in. We see it now with coaches and players, with Belichick and Brady. People, the players are always going to be uh, at the forefront. They're going to always get the lion's share of the credit. That's just how sports is in America. We love our athletes. The GM, the coach, the assistant, it don't matter who it is. The superstar is going to be the face and going to get the majority of the credit for the championships. So Michael Jordan and Jerry had this back and forth about, you know, Jerry said the whole quote of, of organizations win championships too. Cool. Who doesn't know that? 
But the players, as Michael said, the 15 that's out there in between those lines are the ones doing the work. And you cannot give a GM the same credit that you give Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, and Phil Jackson and didn't drop him. <laughs> no, sir. And, um, you know, Jerry's resentment uh, as the GM of the Bulls kind of grew. And the players started to, to really uh, lay into him. <laughs> Uh, you know, it, it, they started blowing on him and on the bus and, and just publicly making fun of him. There's a, a clip that they showed of Jerry Krause at the practice facility taking pills and Jordan walks by and says, what you taking uh, the pills to make you even shorter or, or are those diet pills? Like Jordan was laying into him, bro. And he was roasting him bad. Like, bro, Jerry, Jerry is not looking good. I feel sorry for his family and for anybody that that may be related to him or think fondly of him. Because he's getting roasted throughout this whole documentary. But yeah, he's looked at, he's the, if this is a, a superhero movie, he's cast as the evil villain. Um, and Michael Jordan and the Bulls are the protagonists. So that's pretty much, oh, and, and Jerry Reinsdorf, the owner, he's the one that hired uh, Jerry Krause. And he seems like a cool dude, but I don't understand this. I, I didn't understand Jerry Reinsdorf, uh, Reinsdorf's allegiance to Jerry Krause like I understand he hired Jerry Krause and Jerry Krause did a phenomenal job drafting uh being the GM winning championships helping out but dude you got Michael Jordan a team that's won five championships at that point and you're discussing rebuilding you're discussing starting over I, I don't I don't get it I don't get what Jerry, unless Jerry was had an ego thing too and it, it doesn't seem like it but you know he's a, a billionaire so <laughs> I guess you know that's that's that comes with he has to have some kind of ego right but yeah Jerry Reinsdorf had this weird allegiance to Jerry Krause and allowed him to dismantle a championship team which till this very day rubs everybody the wrong way uh, as i said at the, at the beginning i still can't believe that they pushed out the greatest team ever uh, we'll get into some of the more horrendous decisions they had which part two of tonight's episode got got into with as it relates to how how they did pippen and jordan kind of dirty and feel as it relates to management we'll get into that in in part two but for part one i want to put a bow on it by just recapping how unique this Bulls team was um they haven't gotten into the actual players per se episode one was dominated more so around the history of the Bulls and Michael Jordan uh but once they start getting into the personalities of that team Dennis Rodman Phil Jackson uh Michael Jordan Scottie Pippen Ron Harper Kerr Cool coach Winnington and uh, Luke Longley, man, you you got you got some you got some. I'm I'm looking forward to see guys I've I haven't seen in decade in a decade. <laughs> see if they make the documentary. Is Randy Brown somewhere around? You know, is are we gonna get a Judd Bushler sighting? I I would love to know what those guys are up to. We did briefly get Bill Winnington. Bill Winnington looks like a totally different person. Like totally different person. <laughs> He still looks like Bill Winnington, but he cut, he's cut off all his hair and he has the weird mustache. But shouts out to Bill Winnington, wherever you are. <laughs> but uh, to, again, to put a bow on the on episode one, um, it, it was phenomenal. Five stars out of five. 
um and it's just a unique team again i can't wait to get more so into the the actual 98 bulls because right now it's a lot of introduction going on but once you get into the personalities of this team we'll see that the argument can be made about uh who's the greatest team of all time and i have my thoughts on that and i'll save that for another video but as it relates to a team being very unique and one of a kind i think it's the bulls are the only team like that hands down there's just no other team with these crop of personalities of um stylistic differences in in terms of approach to basketball and life and yet it all made sense once it was thrown on on the court and and you you put Dennis Rodman, Scottie Pippen and Michael Jordan in this bowl and you let Phil Jackson stir it all up and make it make sense and he did an excellent job at that field uh for the time he was on camera was typical field just brilliant in terms of his thinking uh measured in what he said um so i can't wait to get into uh a little bit more about the actual team but again last dance episode one it's in the books it was amazing make sure you watch it make sure you check it out i'm sure it'll be on on demand um and so i'm about to prepare to step into episode two here to recap it in a second all right peace